On today's episode of The Pactum, we are talking about categories, not scategories. That's exactly what We're talking about categories. <laughs> it could be a theological game, though. We're talking it about categories, theological categories, which is really important for all Christians. That's right. Hello and welcome to The Pactum. I'm Mike Grimes here with Pat Avendroth, and we are talking about theological categories today. But a few things first, before we get rolling, we want to encourage you to give us that five-star rating or give us the thumbs up or whatever your app or your device lets you do. I think you can, uh, do, it more than, you can do it more than once. So if can you, you haven't done it for hey, a while, you know, you need to re-scratch that Re-up itch. that five-star rating. Not because we need you to pat us on the back. Yes, but, we do. Well, we, we do enjoy that. But it helps others find the Pactum and be encouraged by it. So we'd encourage you to do that. Also, if you didn't listen to last week's episode, you should. It's an amazing episode on the Pactum Conference because we want to let you know that we are having a conference here in Omaha, Nebraska at Omaha Bible Church on October 6th and 7th, 2023. It's going to be amazing. There are so many posters posted around town. I can't believe it. It's called All (laughs) All Things Things New. New. Yeah. So it's going to be an eschatology conference, but maybe not like the kind your grandparents want to. Charts and graphs? Are we doing Well, I don't know, but you know, we're talking about already not yet. We're talking about the second coming, the new creation. So it'll be awesome. Really looking forward to it. We're already seeing signups happening. If you haven't signed up, Get to thepactum.org, click on the link, and get signed up. I'd I think I saw you. that maybe there are five states represented so far. Already, so. yes. Five states of people have represented. Five states of being. Five states of being. In the yeah. United States. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's going to be fun. I tell you, it is going to sure. be fun. Anything else going on of interest in your life? What's happening? You're going to you're like car shopping, planning vacations, you know, going anywhere? Everything in our house is kind of disheveled and out of place because we've been reorganizing in our house. We've transitioned half of our basement into a bedroom so our kids can all be in their own bedroom, and it has been an ordeal. So we've got that wrapped up. Everybody's happy. It's looking good. We're thankful. But it's been quite the ordeal. Okay. But, that's yeah. po- that's positive. So that's been going on. I've been doing home projects. All know? right. Well, yeah, you know, how about you? I've just been learning a lot of uh, useless information, as a matter of useless. fact. I don't know if you know this or not, Mike, and Pactum listeners, do you know that a group of finches is called a charm? What? A group of frogs is called an army. A group of geese on the ground is called a gaggle. A group of geese in the air is a skein. Oh. A group of goats is called a trip. A group of hares is called a husk. A group of kangaroos is called a mob. A group of owls is called a parliament. A group of rhinos is called a crash. A group of toads is called a knot with a K. There are bales of turtles. There are oh, really? clouder. There's a clouder of cats, a gam of whales, and a streak of tigers. That is, what? <laughs> <laughs> Like, I mean, where else can you where, can you go hey, to hear this kind of stuff? We have got that kind of information here on the Pactum. Useless information. <laughs> <laughs> and here in my hand, it is an official publication of the Useless Information Society. There's a society for this? That's amazing. <laughs> Thousands of things you didn't think you needed to know and probably don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's amazing. That, the, oh, the cover. What is that? Is that a squirrel There's on a the cover? a squirrel on the cover of That's it. That's funny. The bad thing about a book like this is now that we have the internet, you know, half the stuff's probably proven to not be true. Sure, yeah. But it's still fun to read. But it is kind of fun just to open it up and say, in California, it is illegal to eat oranges while bathing. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, you could just do Bible roulette, but with useless information. Right. Right. You just open it up and say, this is, uh, there once were more sea lions on earth than people. I think that's fake news. That's, that's not yeah, right. But that's crazy. Anyhow. Well, so that's. I just pulled it from the shelf because I thought we needed something to kind of get things moving. A little, here yeah. On the pack something a little fun. As we talk. <laughs> As we talk about categories, and we are talking about categories <laughs> yes, today are. because we were asked to, basically. We were asked to write something about categories uh-huh. because when people are new to Christian theology and they're starting to try to sort through the issues uh, issues in the Bible because there are so many different kinds of issues, there are different labels, different words used different ways, uh, and it's not just alphabet soup all mixed together. Uh, we need categories. Yep. And so uh, we were asked to put something together. And uh, this is just the, the, the beginning. I thought it was a great idea. I thought that would be awesome to have in print. But yeah. we'll do a podcast episode or two first yep. to kind of get things moving. Yeah. yeah, get the ball rolling on the categories. Yep, so it won't be exhaustive. This is just kind of the first swing at the whole matter of categories in theology. But it really is important because yeah. we need to make we, – we distinguish when it comes to theology. Sometimes a word is used in two different ways. Sure, yeah. A concept is used a certain way, and then you have to nuance. And by nuance, we don't mean water things down to compromise. right. right. We just say we have God's special revelation and we want to understand it. And that means we're going to have categories. Right. So to be meaningful, to be accurate in our representation of all that the scripture teaches, categories, categories, categories. Categories are super important, super helpful. So as you're listening, I hope you're encouraged by these categories we're going to cover in the episode. Yep. We're going to talk about everything from law and gospel to three uses of the law, already not yet, in Adam, in Christ. We're going to talk about good. We're going to talk about righteous. We're Mm. going to talk about... Shadow, substance, and so much more. And so much more. Calling. <laughs> the list is long. I don't know. We don't want to have a super long episode. Somebody did get mad at me last week because oh, the real? episode was well, only 25 24, minutes. minutes, yeah. Yeah, it, it didn't carry them through their workout. Oh. So you bummer. know what? Maybe it's time to, what do you call it when you're, when you're working out less? You're tapering. Tapering. I've been tapering my whole life. <laughs> I've been trying to get a tapeworm so oh, I can maybe lose there weight. There you go. That's okay. <laughs> well, let's get started with our categories, and let's start with the category that is one of our favorites to talk about here on the Pactum, and that is law and gospel. Yeah, we're kind of unashamedly yeah. focused on law and gospel. In fact, uh, well, let's give it a shot. We've quoted William Perkins before when it comes to law and gospel and those important categories, and he wrote a, a famous little book on preaching, and it's, he says this, the basic principle at in application is to know whether the passage is a statement of the law or of the gospel. Hmm. So notice the category, law or gospel. A statement of law indicates the need for a perfect inherent righteousness of eternal life given through the works of the law, of the sins which are contrary to the law, and of the curse that is due them. That's a mouthful. That is. Sounds like a Puritan. Yeah. By contrast, a statement, so see, we're categorizing, contrast. Yep. By contrast, a statement of the gospel speaks of Christ and his benefits and of faith being fruitful in good works. So Hmm. law and gospel, they're not the same. We say law is what God requires. Gospel is what God graciously provides. A really good example would be, a real simple example, Jesus in Luke chapter 10 says, do this and live. Right. So, and he's talking about eternal life. So that would be law. Right. Uh, Jesus preaches law. There he, there he is. He also preaches gospel because in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus says, I will give you rest. Hmm. Come to me and I'll give you rest. So yeah. both are biblical. Both are Christian. They're not the same. They're vital, but 
distinguishable. Right. Yes. Different categories. Different right. categories. I wonder how many times we'll say categories. Categories. A lot. For sure. The Bible says be perfect. Law or gospel. Obviously it's law. law. Yep. The Bible says love. That's a command in the law. law. Uh, the Bible teaches that Christ died for our sins. Oh, that would be gospel. Right, yeah. So let's do a controversial one before we move on. And Pactum listeners, no doubt by now you're catching on. You probably listened to episode 100 that was on gospel. I'm sure they have. Which is so, um, that was a big one for us. It's yeah. an important one, yep. the 100. But we have to distinguish or we ruin both. Yep. So yep. we need the categories of law and gospel. So many times it's gospel, and we end up having a different gospel when we mix the two. And we don't want to do that. Read Galatians 1, 8 and Nine. Yes, for sure. Okay. How about how about Micah six eight? Micah six eight. I just posted this on the Twitterati. Oh yeah, or the Twittersphere. The Twittersphere. The Twittersphere. <laughs> Twitter Twitter and uh, <laughs> and uh, the Twitterati have responded, and it was interesting to to hear some of the responses. Oh, for so, real? I'll yeah, have to check that out. But we'll stir it up. Dust so. off the old social media. So Micah six eight. He has told you, O oh man, what is good, and what does the law require of you, but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. So law or gospel, well, it says good, but it doesn't say good news. Yes. And the Bible does teach that the law is good elsewhere, like in the New Testament. So Micah 6, 8, that's a great verse for a plaque in your, oh, I don't know, in the WC, (laughs) the wash closet, closet. as they say in certain places. Uh, It looks great on a plaque, but let's just make sure we understand that it's... Law. It's law. It is law. Don't tell me it's gospel. It's law. Now, I understand that some people say, well, you know, it sounds nice, and uh, I think it's good, and, and people say, well, it's it's gospel. Maybe if Christians do it, if you're a Christian, no, 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 and no. We should write a song about that. It's law. It is. Because law is what God requires. Now, that doesn't mean, and we're going to get into this when we talk about our next point of distinction. Yes, yes, yeah. Yes, it's true. For you as a Christian, it doesn't damn you. The law doesn't always damn. The law has different functions. Correct. We're going to get into that. But make no mistake about it. It is law because it's what God requires. And if you have a complaint and don't like our take on it, email the Gospel Coalition. Yes, for sure. (laughs) Info at... Or someone yes. like that. So, and you know what? We're in great company saying what we're saying. Yeah. So now if you're in Christ through the gospel, it's, it, it, it functions differently in your life. Correct. True. Yeah. But, and when in doubt, just go buy the t-shirt. Yeah, for sure. The t-shirt. The pactum.org. The gospel t-shirt. Oh, I was at the conference this past weekend talking about law and gospel uh, in Kansas and with Pastor Greg Kite and others and having a great time. I, you know what? If we made money on the shirts, which we don't, yeah. and I would have had shirts with me, which I didn't, yeah. <laughs> I brought one for Greg. I, I think I could have sold one to every person who was there. Amazing. They they get conversa- conversations going. Oh, for sure. Which is what we like. For sure. All right, let's move on to our next category of I was going to say next category of categories. Let's move on to our next categories, and that is the three uses of the law, which you just alluded to. We'll talk about here the three uses of the law. So in traditional Protestant theology, 
thinking, yeah. right? Uh-huh. There's a distinguishing, and we say there is the first use, the second use, and the third use. Right. So the first one, pedagogical, next one is civil, and the next one is normative. You don't need to know all of those, those things to go to heaven, thankfully. Right, yeah. But uh, just remember, first use of the law, it's going to show you your sin and misery. Right, yeah. It exposes your sin and your inability and your need for Christ and all of those things. Yep. Uh, there's also the civil uh, use, the restraining, governing use. Yep. But there's also that third one we talk about frequently, the normative use. Third use of the law talks about, it's addressing you as a Christian. Yeah. It's your guide. It's helping you right. to do Micah 6.8. Yes. Now that you're in Christ, it doesn't damn you. So right. if we went back to Micah 6.8, if, at first use of the law, yeah, God yeah. requires you to do that perfectly. Perfectly, yeah. And you're going to hell because you'll never be able to. Right. So it should show you your sin. Yep. And at the same time, if you're in Christ, you have a mediator in Christ, then now now it guides you. Yes. And so it's third use. But make no mistake about it, it is law. Yep. So maybe let's think about another text. Uh, so third use, first, second, and third. Oftentimes we skip the, the middle one. We emphasize the first and the third. Right. For good or for bad. So right. let, let's use an example here. I'm going to I'm going to put you on the hot packed him so far right, Mike, right. for this one. So why don't, I'll, I'll give you a moment to get over there. <laughs> if you didn't hear last week's episode, episode 118 on conferences or yeah, something on, like that, on the Pactum conference, the Pactum yep. conference. Yeah. Just know that we do have a Pactum sofa we in do. the studio now. Yep. So here it is. Yep, it's, it's pretty nifty. <laughs> okay. John chapter 13, verse 34. Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, Mm. just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Let's start by asking Mike Grimes over on the Pactum Sofa, is that law or gospel? That's law. Why why would you? Commandment to love, to do something. So it's law. It's not what's been done, right? Absolutely. It's a commandment. It's law. So it is law. But what's interesting is he calls it a new commandment. Is it really? Is it new? It's not a new commandment. No. What, what's new about it? What it's in the world new, is happening? It's new in that for those who are in Christ, there's a new relationship to the law yeah. that we have, right? So have, we have a new relationship that allows us now to do those things out of gratitude, out of thankfulness, worship. It's right? kind of third usage. Third use of the yep. law, right? Yeah. Fascinating stuff. Yeah. And if you don't have, if you're not thinking in terms of categories, you're probably going to be confused because you're going to read that and say, "That's not new. That's old." Yeah. I. I, I I read that in Deuteronomy and yeah, all over right, the place. Right. So it's not new, but now we have a, we're talking about categories. You're new. You have a new relationship sure, yeah. with God. You have a new relationship with the law because of Christ. And so now, haha, third use. Right. Pretty awesome. Yep. But we're able to do this because we're distinguishing, because we're creating categories or we're allowing the Bible or, or allowing the Bible to force us to make um, categories. You're right. Yeah. Psalm, yeah. Psalm 119 verse 105, uh, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Right. And uh, word is used interchangeably in Psalm 119 with things like law. Yeah. Yep. So now it's a guide. It's our friend. It's helping us. It was good all along, uh, but it doesn't, it no longer condemns us because there's no condemnation for you if you are in 
Christ. Yes, yeah. So these categories, as you can already see, I mean, they're super helpful, uh, encouraging, help you read your Bible better, even as you're reading through Scripture. So let's let's have, have a contest for here for the two of us, because I like to say important, and you like to say important. Uh-huh. So let's see if we can ban the word important okay, no more for important. the rest, rest of the episode. <laughs> you, you didn't just use the word. You, oh, used, I, you used something else. Oh, good. Okay. And so I thought, oh, I'm going to take a cue from you, but I need a, I need like... Contest. We got to get a thesaurus to put on the table here. All right. So if we win the contest and we don't say (laughs) the word I can't say any more times, uh, it means I'm going to get to shake the Pactum snow globe and put on a Pactum button. There you go. Okay. Next vital category. I like it. Mike knows how to do it. Already and not yet. Oh, I think this one is super crucial. (laughs) 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 So uh, already not yet is an important. No. Oh, drats. I won. I won. Boom. Didn't take long. If I do it again, it's going to be even worser yeah, to make worse, up words. <laughs> Already not yet. Sometimes, I, I, when I first heard this, I thought this is something somebody made up. And in reality, it, it is something someone made up because it's not in the Bible. But I think we make it up uh, of necessity because mm. the Bible speaks of things as already done, already yes. sure, when in fact they're actually not real yet. Yeah. At least in our experience. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So think in terms of the the finished work of Christ is on behalf of his people. And so their certainties, so they're already. Yes. But we've not experienced them yet personally in time. So they're not yet. So it's not a contradiction. It's just, it's separated by time. Yeah. Second Corinthians 5.17 is my most favorite. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, and we are if we're Christians, we're united to him by faith, mm-hmm. he is a new creation. And I want to say that that's the not yet part. Yeah. But it says we are. We are. <laughs> right. <laughs> the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And I do think it's new creation talk. I think uh, the ESV is right in emphasizing that as well as other translations. So we're already a part of the new creation, but we're not part of the new creation. Right, yeah. It's already not yet. But it is absolutely certain. And we're benefiting now, but there's going to be more benefits to come. Sure, yes. So actualized or something like that. Yeah. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 says, By his wounds, taken from Isaiah 53, by Mm -hmm. his wounds you have been healed. Hmm. And sometimes people who um, are cessationists, they go, they jump through hoops and do <laughs> acrobatics and say, well, it's not really healing there. It's talking about spiritual healing. And sure. I'm apt to just say, how about if we just make it healing? It's healing. That's what it says, right? <laughs> okay. Yeah. I think we, ju- we can just go ahead and step into it and still be cessationists. Yes, we can. Yeah. We have been healed. It's already passed. It's already done. But in reality... Not yet. We're not healed. Not yet. Yeah. So, and we'll have sicknesses and hospital bills and funerals probably. Right. So, yeah. But it is so certain because of the work of Christ being already completed and sure. So we will one day be healed, but we will one day be healed because in reality in Christ, it's already done. Right. It's already yeah. taken care of. Yeah. So yeah. Romans 8.30 says we're, we've been glorified. Yep. I'm, I, Mike, I like you and everything, but I, 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 I do not believe you are glorified I yet. would have to agree with you on that wholeheartedly. <laughs> but it is certain. So we're already not yet seeing this as a good category. Yeah. Yeah. And I think already not yet, it just it produces hope, confidence, joy for the believer, right? Yep. In those times when you're uh, waiting for that not yet part, uh, to be encouraged with the truth that you already have these truths, and they are true, 
And they are real. Because Christ was raised from the dead and ascended. And so his work is sure. So that's why we say it's already. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Yes. Perfect. All right. Next category, in Adam or in Christ? I think for a long time as a Christian, I was puzzled because I was uh, maybe, I don't know, overly literal. Hmm. Yeah. What does it mean to be inside of Adam? Right. In. <laughs> like I, inside of Jesus. And I'm not trying to be sacrilegious or anything. I was just trying to figure out what in the yeah, world. Yeah. Because it's emphasized a lot in yes. Christ is. First Corinthians 15, 22 says, in Adam all die. Hmm. So you're united to Adam. Yes. So he represents us is the concept, is the idea. So in Adam all die. But that also in 1 Corinthians 15, 22, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Hmm. So everyone is united to Adam. Adam represented everyone. Yes. And it leads to condemnation, Romans chapter 5, uh, to be in Adam. But those who will believe, those who are elect, those who have believed, those whoever who, who, who will believe, again, election, uh, it, they'll, they'll be in Christ. Uh, you're in Christ in time when you trust in him, uh, shall be made alive. So yeah. everyone's in Adam and those who will believe, I'll put it that way this time around, uh, are in Christ. So it's just good to know that those are two important realities when it comes to representation. Yeah. One leads to condemnation. One leads to justification. Uh, even that text we already looked at under the other category of already not yet, Second Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, yep, yep. united to Christ. So that is a another vital way of categorizing things. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. And if you're in Christ, you enjoy Christ and all of his benefits, mm-hmm. we like to say, in salvation. Yeah. So all of those great things, adoption and justification and sanctification and glorification, all of the benefits are yours because you're inseparably re- related to him. Right. Yeah. Awesome. I was going to say good, but the next category we're going to talk about is that word, good. Oh, good. Good. It's good to be good. It is good to Isn't be good. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? <laughs> <laughs> so the Bible talks about being good, and the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verse 12, that no one does good, not even one. Hmm. Yeah. So what do we do then, Mike, when the Bible talks about people who are good? <laughs> right? We need a category for that. We need to understand that. <laughs> That's exactly why. So this is not just ethereal, heady kind of stuff. When you're reading the Bible, and at least the heading of your Bible, it might not be in the inspired text, says the good Samaritan. Right, yeah. You have to say, well, wait a second. How could there be a good Samaritan uh, who did show mercy and who is commended right. by Jesus? Right. Uh, and so I think we could say the good Samaritan did good, even if we think Samaritans are bad. The bad Samaritan did good. Right, yeah. Uh, but Romans 3 says no one does good. Right, yeah. We have to say, time to bust out the categories. Yes. <laughs> bust out the Pactum category machine. That's right. And put the proper labels on it. Yes. So we end up saying things like, I do, I say relative good. Yeah, you're right. So the Samaritan did good insofar as it was better than the other clowns that didn't offer right, any help. Right, yep. And, but the person was still a Samaritan. So the Samaritan was not good. Uh, the Samaritan was an idolater as a Samaritan, but the person did good in a, I like to say lowercase g sense. Right, yeah, yeah. Relative yeah. good, but no one does true capital G good. Right. Because that's what Romans chapter three talks about. Right, yeah. They don't, no one does saving good. Yep. So in Romans chapter two, even Gentiles obey the law. Hmm. Paul for sure doesn't mean to contradict himself in chapter three. Right. He for sure doesn't mean they obey the law perfectly. Right. 
ultimately for 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 justification, but they do in a relative way. Yes, right. Yeah. So lowercase g, uppercase g, somehow distinguish between the two. Otherwise, the Bible somehow just is. It doesn't make sense to people. So as Bible teachers, as Bible readers, as preachers, whichever one you are, hopefully you're one of those. Yep, yep. (laughs) Make a a distinction. Right. Uh, What do we mean by good? Yeah. And this leads us right into the next one. Right. I was saying this one, similar to good, leads us into the category of righteous. Mm -hmm. Right. Same same text, Romans 3.10, none is righteous, no, not one. Well, wait a second. It seems like uh, even when you read through the Psalms, for example, that there there are people who are righteous. Yeah, yeah. So we have to say there's no one who is truly righteous, yes, fully, right. completely righteous, perfectly righteous. Maybe we would say. Sure. Yeah. And we're back to making up not making up categories, but saying things to help our listeners to say things like a capital R righteous, sure, lowercase yeah. R righteous. There's relative righteousness. Sure. Yep. You might be better at keeping the law than. The person who you're—I was going to say married to—that doesn't sound very good. <laughs> yeah, no. Then someone else, to someone else, right? Yeah. Relative righteous, but true righteousness that God uh, requires: none righteous, no, not one. We are categorizing. Yes. So let's work on some examples here that maybe even make it more complicated. But I think we can do this. And Pactum listeners, I'm pretty certain. That if you're wise enough to listen to the Pactum, you too (laughs) are probably wise enough to work through this. For sure. You can do it. If we hear Jesus say, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, Matthew 23, 29, for you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteous. Hmm. Who would the monuments of the righteous be? Okay, we talk about the Old Testament saints. We talk about right. people who've done great righteous things. Are they altogether righteous or are they relatively righteous? Or is there another way that they could be righteous? I think we're talking about a relative righteous. Yeah, here. so there's one I way mean, we could say, I think he, he cannot mean altogether ultimate, righteous no, right. or ultimately righteous, capital R righteous, but he could mean relatively righteous, um, the, the heroes of the faith, so to speak. Sure. Or he could be talking about people who are believers because you know what? They're, they had righteousness imputed to them. Yeah. It does go back to Abraham. And so uh, he believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. So it, it could be that they're, they're acknowledging the greatness of the saints before them, even if they themselves are not saints themselves. Sure. <laughs> okay, let's work on another one. Matthew thirteen forty nine. So it will be at the end of the age, the angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous. Mm, yeah. Hmm. I think I would say that's talking about the day of judgment. Right. And guess yeah. what? There are going to be two kinds of people. Yes. The evil and the righteous. And no one is going to be on the side of the righteous unless, unless they have imputed righteousness. Yep, unless they're in Christ. Yep, unless they're in Christ. Yeah. Let's do one more, Matthew nine thirteen. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous but sinners. Mm, yeah, that's interesting. What are we going to do with that? Right, yeah. Well, G- were there any righteous people that Jesus was ignoring? I, I personally would say... I don't no, think so. No. There's none righteous, no, not one. So this right. seems kind of weird yeah. if I don't have a category for it, for it. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. We could say, well, if if maybe they're self-righteous yeah, or they saw themselves saw as lawkeepers, yeah, yeah, yeah. which they did, uh, those he's addressing. So I would probably ap- 
uh, lean toward that. But again, I'm categorizing in a different sort of way. Right. Those were the self-righteous or righteous in their own eyes. They wouldn't see their need for credited righteous, the one who fulfilled all righteousness, because they themselves thought that they could do it. Right. Yeah. Are we having fun? I think so. Okay. Think it's, good I, to, I, it's good to think about these things because you run into different words or different categories in Scripture, and it really helps you think through it when you get there. And you start having to nuance, yep. but not in a... You know, dodgy kind of, I'm trying to get out of it kind of way, but sure. a way that it's scripturally appropriate, that is sane, that fits the big picture. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, all right. For sure. Okay. Let's move on to another set of categories here. Good job and for not saying the I, didn't I say word. It. I didn't say it. This one is shadow and substance, or maybe perhaps we prefer type and antitype. We talk Sh- shadow I, substance. We, t- we like this kind of topic, yeah. don't we? We do. Yes, for sure. So Colossians 2.17 uh, is a broken record maybe on the pactum, but it's critical. These are a shadow of the things to come. He's talking about the old covenant world. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance. So notice shadow versus substance. substance. The substance belongs to Christ. Mm. So those realities were meant to anticipate. They're meant to shadow so we can look forward to something more significant, greater, the ultimate, the real deal, if you will. And so we have shadows versus substance, and we also have similarly, and I think it's really the same idea, type and antitype. Right, yes. Uh, So you have the type, which is like the shadow, and the antitype, which is like the substance. Yes, right. So don't be confused by things like antitype. It sounds like it's against. Yeah, right. It sounds like it's against. Yeah. That's not what we have in mind. But Adam is called a type uh, in Romans chapter 5, verse 14, who was a type of the one who was to come, Mm -hmm. talking about Jesus. They're not the same. They're very, very different. Right. Yes. But there are similarities that are important, and one foreshadows the other. Right. Yep. Points to it. Yep. For sure. So just got done reading the 40 questions about typology and allegory by Mitchell Chase. Hmm. I think we'll have him on the show sometime. He's agreed to do that. I really benefited from that book. And uh, he says this about types and antitypes. Here's how he defines a type, a person, event, or institution that prefigures. I like that word. Yeah, that's a good word. That prefigures an antitype. Uh, He also says in his book, a biblical type is a person, office, place, institution, event, or thing in salvation history that anticipates, shares correspondence with, escalates Mm. toward, and resolves in its antitype. That's good. So, Mike, can you think of some maybe types that we have in the Bible that anticipate the antitype that would help those who are listening? Yeah, you think about Moses, right? Moses would be a type. Uh, He's a mediator, and he's a type as pointing to the mediator or the ultimate mediator, Christ. That that makes a lot of sense. Yep. Yep. Uh, You also have David, who's a type of Christ in that he's king, and we have Jesus Christ, who is the King of Kings. Right? I, I like to use that one and even shock people and say David was a Messiah. Yes, right. Right, because he's an anointed, anointed king. Yeah. And if you want to use the New Testament word for that, David was a Christ. Yes, right. But here we are with categories, right? And we're going to say, you know, and now we're using a different category. But yeah. he's a lowercase C Christ. Right, 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 right. He's a he's one, he is a Christ, but he's not the Christ. Yep, right. Anticipating. Yep. You have prophets. You have priests. Types, right? Prophet, priests, and kings. Prophet, so priests, and kings. The yeah. priest, the system, the whole priesthood and the system and the temple, animal sacrifices, the lamb who takes away the sin. Right. Yep. All of these are types. They're shadows. They look forward to the substance. 
and uh, you can keep your sanity about you theologically Absolutely. when you see that this is unfolding in God's drama of redemption. Yes, very much And so. the other thing is we won't go back because the book of Hebrews right. insists that we never go back to the types and shadows. Right. Yep. We don't want to go back. Yep. And I would whisper into the microphone, but I don't want to sound like um, a politician. <laughs> So, <laughs> who seems to be creepily doing this lately? So, um, but just you know what? It might it might change your view of your eschatological position yeah. if you do this. Just yep. as a heads up. But I did want to whisper. I don't know why for That's, effect. <laughs> for effect. But you know what? Sometimes people Let's, ruin things for us. Yeah, they do. Can't sometimes. do it anymore. Okay. The next. I almost said it. The <laughs> next category that it is imperative that you know this category: uh, calling, calling. We need categories. Not Jesus about, calling. Not Jesus we're not, calling. We're not big fans Sarah. of that book. No, no, we're not. Okay. Uh, the calling. We're talking about here like the general call versus the effectual call. That's what right. we're talking about. Yeah. The Bible talks about calling and we distinguish because it uses the same word. Yes. So don't get your theology from mere word studies. Yes, correct. Word studies are good and important, but sometimes the same words are used in different ways. So Matthew 22 verse 14 says, many are called, but few are chosen. Hmm. Yeah. What, what kind of calling is that? We would call that the general, general call. call. Yeah. So it's true. We, we in, in evangelism, we issue the general call. We call people to believe in Jesus. Indeed, we do that. But uh, we're not the Holy Spirit, so we're not issuing the effectual call. Right. That always works. Yes. We're just calling people generally because we preach to everyone and every, anyone because we don't know who the elect are. Right. Yep. So Jesus in Matthew 22 is talking about the general call. But then if we go to Romans chapter 8, we have um, the calling, the, I like to think of it as the spiritual tractor beam. You, you can't reverse it. You can't get away from it. You wouldn't want to. Right, yeah. But in Romans chapter 8, verses 29 to 30, you have the effectual calling. Yes. To those, who are, those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Right. Once you're part of that unbreakable chain... Um, it, there, there's no stopping it. It is effective, effective which is where yeah. we get the fancy, fancy, fancy. We get word. the fancy word. <laughs> we get the fancy word. Effectual <laughs> calling. I hope you're seeing listeners that are hearing. <laughs> As you're listening, I hope you're seeing that this isn't contrived. But when we have the data, we're we're organizing it because otherwise it would be. Contradictory. That right. makes sense. Right. Yep. Okay. Another category we want to discuss is will. Will it will. cult? We will did an episode cult. called that Will an episode, It Cult. Remember right? that? That is an episode. From Will It Float will from it float the from old David Letterman. Letterman. Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> we used to do stupid human, no, stupid pet tricks <laughs> because they used to do it on there. And so we'd have my, my mom would like get down on the floor or on her you know, hands and knees. And then our dog April would jump up on top of her back. And we thought we were so smart because <laughs> we did stupid pet tricks. That's funny. <laughs> so will, how about the word will? Well, what we're talking about when it comes to categorizing, we have the moral will mm -hmm. talked about in the Bible. And then we have the decretive will, sure, God's yeah. decretive will. So in first Thessalonians chapter four, verse three, it says um, that this is the will of God, hmm. your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. So, that's what God says. It's his will. It's his will for your life. The will of God for your life. We'd say that's God's moral will. Yep. Uh, and then uh, we can look at other texts like Ephesians chapter one, verse 11, that God works all things according to the counsel of his will. Yeah. It's talking about something different, even though it's the same sounding word. Right. Yep. Um, Ephesians one eleven. I mean, if it's according to God's 
decree, it's certainly, no matter what, absolutely going to, hap- going to happen. The moral will is more along the lines of the law of God, what, yeah, what right. he's saying we need to do. So that's kind of an easy one, but hopefully helpful. Yeah. Next one, uh, another category, the person of Christ. Well, obviously, Jesus is human, yes, and Jesus is also divine. Yes, right. So we that we just categorized. We uh, did. That was right. pretty straightforward. The yes. Bible is clear that he is a human being. He's one of us as far as a human being, but he also is the eternal son. So the eternal son became incarnate. He became one of us, took on flesh, the Bible says. So we have one person, uh, the person whose name is Jesus, but he has a human nature and a divine nature. That's why we would say he has two wills yep. uh, because he has two natures. Yeah. And if we're confused about this, we get ourselves in trouble. Uh, I have been enjoying this little booklet here called The Person of Christ, An Introduction by Stephen J. Wellam. And uh, he talks about this matter in more theological terms. He uh, talks about Diotheletism. Diotheletism. Sounds like something you go... Never, I'm not going (laughs) to... Okay, he says, Classic Orthodox Christology affirms that as a result of the Incarnation, Christ has two wills. Uh, Dio, two, and Thelema, or Thelema, will. A divine and a human will located in each respective nature. He goes on to talk about how it was affirmed in church history. So things like that are simple, even if you don't know the technical jargon for them. Sure, yeah. We're making a a, a distinction between the two, and it becomes practical because then we see uh, when we read Jesus saying, you know, not my will, but your will be done. Right, yeah. uh, Does God have two wills? No. No. God does not have (laughs) two wills. No. Um, But he's speaking in terms of his humanity, Humanity, and now we can keep our sanity regarding (laughs) theology proper and hopefully not be heretical. Right. So another area where it's, I was going to say important, it's helpful (laughs) to have categories is when we're talking about the obedience of Christ. So we talk about the obedience of Christ as one obedience, his one work, but in theology, sometimes when we want to look at things from different perspectives to better understand them, we would talk about the active obedience and we would talk about the passive obedience. Right. And uh, for all of those folks who purchased Covenant Theology, my new book. Oh, yeah. So, and it's already sold more than I thought it would sell in the first year. So thank you very much for supporting that cause. Uh, We do have an appendix in there on the act of obedience of Christ. So it's misunderstood. doesn't need to be misunderstood. Uh, I won't say buy my book. Um, (laughs) But what I will say is... When, when, when we talk about the act of obedience of Christ, we're talking about his obedience to the law, fulfilling the law, right. actively doing or, or doing the things that are necessary, like loving God with heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving neighbor as self. Hmm. Passive obedience, we don't mean he was ever passive. He was always active. It's his suffering. Obedience comes from a Latin word meaning suffering. Hmm. And he suffered his whole life from the very, very beginning. He was right. acquainted with sorrows and grief. Right. As a member of the fallen human race, he was suffering from the very beginning. Yep. And he suffered climactically, ultimately, when he went to the cross and was crucified. Philippians 2 talks about this. And throughout that entire time, he, it was also active obedience. Right, yeah. So it's always passive suffering, and it's always active, fulfilling. Uh, but he not only gets rid of our guilt, he also positively provides us with perfect righteousness. So active and passive, it's an important topic. Yeah. It's worth learning about. Uh, don't shy away from it. Try sure. to make it as simple as we can. Yes. Categories. Categories, categories, categories. Another area that we uh, have categories when we're talking about God. 
we do. Yes. So when we speak about God, sometimes theologians talk about ontological mm-hmm. or they talk about economic. Yes. So when we're talking about ontology, we're just, it's um, a philosophical kind of term. We're talking about the nature of God. We're talking about the nature of his right. being yes. in his very essence. Uh, but when we get into economic, we're talking about how he, we're talking about his revealed activity sure. in creation, in redemption. So maybe we don't need to talk about that too much for now, but what we end up doing is we have to somehow think through, uh, how do we talk about God without being heretics? How do yeah. we talk about God in a way that maybe shows respect to who he is as the one and only true God who does not change? I mean, there's so many things we could say about who he is. So sometimes we talk about God ontologically in and of himself, his very nature, or how he relates to creation and in redemption, how he's revealed himself, economic. Let's move on to the next one. How okay. many of these do we have? We, we have, have so a many. ton of these. We have 18, I think. Okay, well, let's speed it we, up. Okay, let's speed it up. I want to do this up. in one episode. Okay, let's speed it up. So next one, works. Okay, Quickly. works. Let's do works. Well, there are good works in the Bible. Um, but we're not saved by our good works. So we'd say we have good works that come as a result. There's a category. So sure. the fruit of faith, if you will, Ephesians 2.10, because it's not we're not saved by our works, Ephesians 2.8 and 9. So there's a way of categorizing. Um, but we could also say, yeah, but salvation is not by our works, lest anyone should boast, Ephesians 2. Right. Yep. But they are by Christ's, Christ's works. Work. Yeah. yeah. And people forget that sometimes. Yeah. So salvation is by works. It's just by Christ's works, not our works. But that should result in our doing good works, the fruit of faith. There you go. How about number 14? Right. Next way of categorizing things. Yes, would be grace. So here we're talking about categories with common grace. Mike, could you sing a, so, saving just grace. Sing, sing a little bit about grace, if you would? I, I just grace, didn't... grace, God's grace. Oh, that's, that didn't, that didn't, wasn't really singing. Amazing. But... <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to sing. <laughs> I was just wanting a little bit. I just opened up the book, uh, the book of useless information, and I'm not sure if you know it or not. I I don't. But I do want you to know that voodoo originated in Haiti. Hey. Just in case you didn't know that. There you go. Uh-huh. All right. How about the practice of exchanging presents at Christmas originated with the Romans, it says. Huh. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know. We might say it was from the Magi. Yeah. We're back to talking about grace. And when we talk about grace in the Bible, there are two different ways of categorizing. Maybe more than two, but the two we're going to talk about now would be common grace. Yep. And saving grace. Saving grace, right. So common grace would be God's grace that he's shown to everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, So for example, in Matthew chapter 5, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Right, yeah. That's God giving sinners what they don't deserve. Yes. It's a free gift of rain. Yep. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But there's no distinguishing. Right, yes. And uh, so I don't mind calling that common grace. Saving grace would be, you know, the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation. Right. Titus chapter yes. 2, verse yep. 11. That's saving grace. And so uh, we could do the same thing. We could speak about love this way. Sure. There's, yeah. a, there's a common benevolent kind of love that God has, but God also has a special love for the elect. Yeah. And I think if you don't distinguish between the two, you probably have some confusion on your hands. That's true. That is true. Okay. Uh-huh. How about another word that categories really are helpful for? And that is the word all. This, this is similar to the last one, right? Isn't it, it is, yeah. Yep. So, yeah, t- the all in Titus, cha- cha- Titus chapter two. I didn't quote just, the whole thing, right? Right. Yeah. But bringing salvation to all people, all grace people. of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people. Um, so, what do we mean by all? Is the question, right? Yes. If it's 
if that's if that means all without exception yeah. in Titus chapter two, then we have universalism, universalism. And Jesus doesn't tell the truth when he talks about some people going to hell. Right. Correct. And we know that Jesus does tell the truth, and so we should look at Titus chapter two, verse eleven, and go, hmm, hmm. I wonder what could be meant by this. Right. Well, maybe. Uh, all could be all kinds of people. Yes. Instead of all people without exception, it could be all people without distinction. Sure. So Jews and Gentiles, Jews and for Gentiles, example. Yeah. Um, so people who are relatively moral and people who are just outright immoral. Right. Right. Even people who are Cretans, like on right. the island uh, of Crete. I'm, yes. It's all so, kinds of people. All different kinds. So I think that actually is important. And when we don't have a category for all being all without exception versus all without distinction or things like that or mm-hmm. all kinds, yeah. you're just going to make gobbledygook. It, it doesn't go well. Of things. That's yep. right. Okay. How about Lord? Well, the Bible teaches there's only one Lord, yes, right? Yes. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Yep. Uh, and yet, there are lots of lords lots of in the lords. Bible. In fact, every king is a lord a in lord, the Bible. Yeah, right, right. So that's why he's called the Lord of Lords. Yes. So notice it's not a contradiction. There's only one Lord, um, <laughs> but yet he's Lord of Lords. So right. even the Bible acknowledges there are many lords. Many, yes. He's the ultimate Lord. So I think we have to say, oh, that's the idea. Yeah. He's, the, he's your one ultimate Lord. Yes. And so we're making distinctions. There are nuances. Yep. We're nuancing and we are categorizing. Categories. Yes. We could also acknowledge that uh, Paul writes to Timothy that he, uh, he alone is sovereign. Yes. God alone is sovereign. And I like to shock people and say that's not even true mm. because there are many sovereigns. Are Every many... king, uh, you know, just yesterday. No, Sunday, this past yeah, week yeah. from when we are recording, is it Prince Charles became the king of England? I think, yeah. So I saw, like I, saw, I saw a super funny picture. It had this. It had Prince Charles in a all purple suit, like a like a business suit. Okay, yeah. And he was uh, sitting on a chair and he's playing the guitar, and it said, "Artist formerly known as Prince." <laughs> <laughs> That's <funny. laughs> it made That's me good. laugh That's out loud. That's good. That's good. So yeah. there are many sovereigns, there are many lords, but there's only one, one ultimate, ultimate lord. There's yeah. only one ultimate sovereign. So the Bible will say there's only one. Yes, for sure. But we know the Bible doesn't even mean that exact literal thing. Sure. It's saying there's one ultimate, ultimate. one above yes. all the other ones. Right. How about kingdom? Let's, about kingdom let's categorize kingdom. Well, Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. So that's John chapter 18, verse 36. Uh, and yet he's the king over everything. He's, yeah. He is sovereign. He's the king of kings and lord of lords over everything. So we have to nuance. We have to say, what what is meant by my kingdom is not of this world? Is it somebody else's kingdom that he's not sovereign over? Right, right. No, he's sovereign over even that kingdom. He's making a different point entirely. Um, and so we we come to that conclusion because of categories, because looking at both kinds of texts, John 18 and Revelation 19, as well as other texts. We, we make a distinct, we distinguish between the two and we have a category for such a thing. Uh, when Jesus says, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's, he, he's not somehow um, denying that God is sovereign over everything. Right. It's yes. all God's. Right. Yeah. It's all. His. But within the realm of everything being God's, there's a micro realm, if you will, sure. a smaller yeah. realm. And temporarily, yes. things might belong to Caesar, but even the things that belong to Caesar ultimately belong to God. Right. Yes. Yeah. So. Okay. Let's round it out, wrap it up, and let's talk about categories when we're thinking about 
Causation. Last one? Yes, this is it. Okay. Causation. I, all right. So we, when we have things happen in the world, like Jesus being crucified, who caused Jesus to be crucified? Mm. Well, when we read Acts chapter 2, verse 23, it says, This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. Mm. Who caused Jesus to be crucified? Right. God did. God. God caused it. And if we follow after the comma in the ESV of Acts 2.23, you, he's talking to the Jewish leaders and the people they represent, you crucified and killed by the hands, oh, causation, of lawless men. Hmm. So we have, in theology, we would talk about first and second causes. Right, yes. And even if you read historic confessions, they talk about second causes. God uses, God is sovereign over everything, but he uses, for example, bad people who want to do bad things to follow their heart (laughs) and do bad things. He doesn't need to make them bad. They already want to do bad things like crucify Jesus. And so he uses them. uh, Christ is crucified by their hands, but it is to carry out what is ultimately the decree of God for God's glory and for the good of his people. Yes. So we can nuance, we can have categories, and it is critical. It is vital. vital. It is necessary. (laughs) (laughs) How many different words? It is virtuous. Oh, that's good. It is advisable. (laughs) It is is, wise. Did we use that one already? uh, No, I don't think we have. No. It should be a priority. (laughs) (laughs) And we commend all Pactum listeners uh, to this necessary thing that we do called categorizing categories. or yeah, having categor- yeah. categories. Yes, we we <laughs> <laughs> we got my oh, tongue tied got over me all there. tongue tied up. Well, thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of the Pactum verse. As always, you can find us online, Twitter, Instagram, you can find us on our website, thepactum.org. Don't forget to go to thepactum.org and get signed up for the all things new Pactum conference coming up. I'm going to be there. 6th I'm a speaker. And 7th, you are going to be there with be Michael speaking. Beck with DG Hart. DG Hart with Michael Abendroth. Michael Lee Abendroth. That's right. It's going to be a fantastic time. We want to see you there. Make sure to get signed up and registered. Thanks for being a part of the Pactiverse. We'll see you here next time on the Pactiverse.